that's the piece that so many people are missing. They're not listening to their own inner wisdom and their own intuition because that is really, truly the only thing that matters. And it opens up doors, right? For more money, prosperity, abundance, opportunity. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with? Are those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Sarah. Sarah. Hello. Hi. I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is, drum roll, (laughs) I hated working for other people. And I did it for almost 15 years. Oh, that's a different secret. Did you always knew you hated working for other people or it just came to you one day? That's a great question. I think early on in my career, like I, I graduated college early, I got my master's, like I was very achievement oriented. And so I got a leadership position as a basically a production manager for mm-hmm. my and, um at a place called Mosaic. And I was pretty high up the, up the chain of command, especially for my age. Um, there were also a lot of males at the top. So it was also kind of a, I felt a little bit lucky to be there. Um, oh, at that uh-huh. moment. A, a young woman at that. And at that point, I think I was just in a place where I was like, okay, well, I guess this is what you do. I, like entrepreneurship never entered my mind as a possibility. I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, and so I was just kind of like, oh, this is what you do. You graduate, you get a job, you work your way up, you make more money, and someday you retire and that's what you do. And you have so your think, 401k and yeah. you have your savings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you get the security of the same paycheck every two weeks or every month or whatever. And um, it didn't start creeping in until probably, um, it was actually a few years into that job. I got certified by Gallup to be a coach okay. uh, in 2006. And that was like in tandem with the work I was doing. And so at that point, I was like, oh my gosh, like there's this whole world of like coaching and coaching was not a thing. Like it wasn't popular at that time. Now it's, it's very much a part of our culture. Um, but in 2006, it was like, oh, I guess that's a profession. Um, and so learning more about that, I was like, oh my God, I, I love coaching. I love learning the nuances of it, but I didn't know how to build a business around coaching. So what did you love about coaching different than you loved of your job? That's a great question. I loved going deep with people and helping them figure out the answers inside of themselves for why their life looked the way it did, why their jobs looked the the way that it did, 
and helping them see their own limits. And so I I liked that deep personal connection and being able to facilitate those sorts of conversations with people. So that was very different than the drive, hustle, output, right? Three events a week, got to get the team together, very much more like organizational leadership driven. Um, That was much more about like the doing and it wasn't as fun. And I'm good at doing, I'm great at organization. Yeah, I am too. I'm like type A. <laughs> you give me a task, it's on, it's done. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so it didn't it didn't start creeping in. My my displeasure with like working in a corporate environment, it was like a very slow burn for those 15 years. So it wasn't like I had this moment of reckoning until the very, very end. It was like a slow displeasure of like, I don't really like this. I think I'm supposed to do something else. Right. Then I was coaching on the side and speaking on the side and doing, you know, leading workshops and facilitating retreats on the side, but it was never the full-time thing. So it was kind of a slow, gradual process. Did you have a moment where you got up and you were like, I cannot do this job anymore or I just don't want to be here or not like die, but you're just like, I just can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Even that was like a, a, a phased experience for me. And I mean, I, I believe, right, as a professional coach, like it's like there are two things that drive people, extreme pleasure or extreme pain, right? Mm, I love that. I've never heard that. Say it again, just so I can like relish. <laughs> yeah. Like the two things that motivate people to change are either extreme pleasure, like the vision of how good could life be? How amazing could my job be? How much money could I create doing something I love, right? The inspiration forward Mm -hmm. or the pain of, oh gosh, the current model where I am right now feels like there's too much suffering for me to really, like for this to be worth it. So that actually ties in with, um, so I had worked in corporate, corporate, corporate in three different industries. So I did entertainment for five years. I was in higher education for five years at Pepperdine teaching and in administration there. And then I worked in the mental health and addiction field on the, mm-hmm. on the business development side, the admin side. So right at the end of that time, my husband and I were in a very long fertility journey as you know, and that, that was like a part of, okay, me really choosing my future. It, it wasn't something that just happened. It was very intentional and very, there was an investment of time, energy, finances, resources for that. So being pregnant with my daughter was an amazing experience. Then becoming a mother and holding her for the first time, you never know what that experience is going to be like. And I think everyone has a different experience as a Completely parent. Completely different. Yeah. So some people they want to go back to work fully. Some people decide they don't want to work and they want to be with their, their kids. Like it's all good for me. I, I had no idea what it was going to be like. So I had planned all along to go back to corporate work after my maternity leave. And, um, I did go back after four months and working away from her for 40 to 50 hours a week. The sacrifice of that, I, I started to feel that. And that was the, like the first indicator of like, okay, something's not working. I want something different. Did you, did you like have a breakdown or did it just, is that a slow, are you a slow, gradual kind of person? 
I'm slow when decisions feel big and scary. Yeah. I didn't mean you were, that came out so wrong, but I'm just saying like, did you have that moment where you were like sitting on the bathroom, like crying, being like, I don't want to leave my daughter. You know what? It was less about that because I knew I wanted to work. Like I love working. Mm -hmm. It was the context in which I was working, where someone else was dictating when I worked, where I worked, what the hours were, what the pay was. So, so there was that piece, right? Lack of flexibility with that and lack of control. Like I wasn't present at that moment to realizing, wait a second, I'm the CEO of my life. So yes, there was a crying in the bathroom moment, but it wasn't because of an emotional breakdown um, in the way that you just, you know, indicated. Um, but it actually came because one of my dearest friends, Dr. Jen Golick was, uh, she was killed. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, um, so I, you know, I was up in the middle of the night, 2am pumping. Jen lived up in Napa in the Napa area, um, here in California. She was just at our house. Uh, two weeks before actually filming, uh, doing a podcast with Paul Gilmartin and (laughs) come over and we were all having lunch together and she had met Highland for the first time, my daughter and Zach, and we were just enjoying our time together. I took her to the recording. I said, you know, I love you. We hugged. That was the last time I saw her. And then two weeks later, pumping in the middle of the night, I go on Facebook and I just see all of these comments and pictures like, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. And it was like that moment where, like, I really felt like I was in a movie. Like, I was like, wait a second, no, this can't be happening. Like, you were just, she was just here that she's not the one to go. And what had it happened, I mean, I'll keep it short, but she was, she was a clinical director at a veteran center, a, a deranged client who had left the program, came back very upset and had brought guns, took her hostage, two of the other clinicians hostage killed them, killed himself. 42, you know, she was 42 years old, mother to a daughter, married to a high school sweetheart. And like that moment, like, of course I was so devastated that she was gone, especially the way in which. Yeah. Devastating and tragic. I mean, just, I like want to break down and cry right now. Yeah. (sighs) And so it was like, okay, you know, she's a contemporary of mine. We're friends. We're both mothers of daughters. And the, the saddest part for me, Brianne was like, I knew the bucket list. I knew the trips that they didn't take to Hawaii, the businesses that she didn't start. And it was like, oh my God. And I asked myself the question, like, if this were my last day, would I be okay with what my life looks like? And the answer was no. And I was (sighs) like, okay. Like that was my moment of like, okay, I don't know fully what's next, but the model I'm in, I'm leaving. Like period. It's just too, no, it's not worth it. So that was, I mean, I'm not this, I'm not like, it was a tragedy and I'm like so upset, but what a God shot that as a a friend she gave you in that moment, because some, so many people I know go through their life and don't fully live and we only have one. Yeah. So that, you know, I, I called who is now my coach, Amber. I was like, listen, I need your help. I need to figure out what's next. She's like, let's talk. We've been working together ever since the last three years, full time in this business. Um, I actually have Jen's program here from her memorial on my desk that I see every day. And like, I just see her as like this, this spirit guide, right? Like this, this reminder, right? Of how precious life is. And it really shifted like 
me from living in a, in a place of fear. Like I had so many beliefs around entrepreneurship, like it's hard to make money. You have to hustle. You have, there's a lot of societal and cultural beliefs around entrepreneurship too, that did not serve me. And so it was like, Oh, I have all of these beliefs. They're not real. And all I needed was the right support and the right time. It was like, that was the moment. So now it's like my entire business and practice is all on helping people awaken to their lives before it's too late for people who really want it. And not everyone does. The world is full of people walking dead. Yeah. I mean, completely. And you're actually reminding me the way you're speaking is I always thought like being an actor on a series was going to film me. And when I finally got that and was did it for two years, it did not fill me at all. And it really smacked me in the face of like this false belief of what it means to, to be successful. And that's where I was like, no, I want to direct. No, I want to produce. Like I want more. I, I am not fulfilled just by this teeny little thing that people say I can have. Mm-hmm. So, and then my moment too was um, my Reiki instructor got cancer and she was this light in my life and she passed. And it was like a hummingbird came down afterwards. And I, I was like, that's her. She's telling me like, you have to go for what you want. Life is too dang short. Yeah. Well, and Brienne, like, I really just, I'm so inspired and acknowledge you because you, right, as a mother, right, as a working mother, as a multi-business owner, as a partner, right, like, you, you just stand as such an example of what is possible, that you get to write the own, your own script of your life, that you don't have to listen to what anyone else says, like, what matters is, like, your truth, and I just, you have such a strong intuition, And the fact that you listen to it is so remarkable. That's the piece that so many people are missing. They're not listening to their own inner wisdom and their own intuition because that is really, truly the only thing that matters. And it opens up doors, right? For more money, prosperity, abundance, opportunity. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's scary as hell. Let's not be, I mean, when even doing this podcast, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not doing, I'm not interested in doing a podcast. This is not. And it was like this voice came over me when I was waking up one morning. It was like, secret life. Mm. You want to hear other people's secrets. Then you tell them your secrets. And it's a conversation. And it's to help others that don't have a voice. And that is why. And I was like, huh? Who's talking to me right now? I remember thinking like, I I am not interested. And here I am. (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's kind of the case in point is that some people stop at fear, but the only thing that makes fear get quiet is action. And Mm. you're still going to action. It's like, that's the piece because fear is entirely self-created. Now, I want to go back real quick because I always love to hit those seven deadly sins. And I want to see where like the secret of hating your job or wanting something more, right? That we don't let ourselves hear. That's what we're talking about. There's these seven deadly sins, not in the religious sense, but the character defect human sense. So we have pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. What do you think it took so those 15 years or why people don't make that change? Oh my gosh, that is such a great question. You know, I'm going to say the first thing that came to me and I think, and I can only speak for myself. Yes. I think it's pride. 
pride in the sense of like the ego, because when we're so self-obsessed, right? I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as talented, beautiful, well-off, whatever the case might be. That's the thing that is going to take you down. And when you feed the ego and like, yeah, here's all the reasons why you're not as good as that person, or you don't know how, right? It prevents you from the action piece of, wait a second, I'm the CEO of my life. How do I want to enrich myself? Who do I need to collaborate with? You know, so it's like that, I think it's really the ego, the pride, the self-obsession that can get in the way for me, especially. Yeah. Do you think for people, it's also sloth? Or the sloth of like, they don't want to put in the extra effort. You know, that's a great, I appreciate this delineation. Like Brene Brown talked about this recently on a podcast episode for her show. And she's like, there are two ways that people like kind of the fight or flight responses to Mm -hmm. things that occur in your life. So there's the over-functioners who go into like full armor mode, like do, 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 I got it all under control, the control freak. And then the the under-functioners who like, go to sleep and, you know, just wrap themselves in a blanket and turn the lights off for three months kind of people. I think both can be detrimental. I do. And I think that sloth in another sense is the ego in a different shape. Exactly. And I love that because sometimes when I'm too driven or hard, I exhaust myself and I don't, it's not healthy for me. And then like going and hiding in the covers, I'm not living my truth. So it's like finding, I guess, that balance where you, you do your work, but you also set aside time to like just be. Yeah, yeah. And there's an ebb and flow, right? To creative energy. There's an ebb and flow to all of life. Nature shows us this, right? Ebb and flow of the ocean, the rising and setting of the sun, the seasons. It's like nature shows us that there's this pattern, this intelligence of life. And I see that happen in relationships, money, creative idea, like in every way. And so, yeah, of course there's the output time and then there's the, the sit and receive time or the sit and be time Mm -hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, that's definitely important. My other question for you is, you know, those 15 years where it took for you to find your truth, who do you think that it benefited and who did it harm in that time period, making this big change in your life? Who did it benefit and who did it harm? Great question. And I mean, I might be thinking about that after this, but, but honest, like my honest answer is like, I, everything unfolded exactly as it needed to, exactly as it needed to for the highest good period. I mean, there were definitely bumps along the way. Like I got married at 24. I got divorced at 27. Mm-hmm. I spent a number of years like really searching and trying to figure out who am I and, you know, partnership and sexuality and all of these different, you know, things that I was trying to look at. And there were very, very dark years in there. And so all of that, though, was really rich learning for me that now my ability to hold space for people who have gone through a lot or are going through a lot, right? Or having really big changes or trauma come up as the result of shifts that are happening. I can hold for them in a a different way. So, I mean, honestly, there were pain points, right? I hurt myself. I hurt other people as a human. And I believe everything is used, can be used for your learning, growth, and upliftment. Anyone I'm even sitting with as a client, I'm like, everything that has happened in your life is for you. You get to use all of it for your learning and then do something else, do better, right? Change, shift, change course. I mean, I 
amen, sister, because like, who would have thought I, after 10 years, I would be writing a book or doing this podcast. Like I had no idea that my darkest moments when I was on my knees crying for nine months, it would lead to me be helping other people. And that fills me more than any acting job I have ever had. That's what, what helps me go to bed at night is being of service to other people. And my last question for you, and this is a doozy. So how do you keep moving forward when those tough times come? Or I also want to hear how you tell your clients to keep moving forward. Like in the face of like COVID or hardship? Everything, hardship, COVID, all of it. Yeah, I think... To keep moving forward, it it looks different for each person, obviously, but I'm a big believer in you have to look at the inner and the outer work. So it's like the inner work is like, okay, what barriers am I creating for myself? What is holding me back? In what ways am I self-sabotaging or preventing myself from playing bigger or the most authentic version of myself? Mm -hmm. And then there's the outer work. Like if you want to find a new job, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to commit 30 minutes a day, like just 5%. The 5% rule I think is so valuable and important. It's like, if you just look at things, like how can I just shift 5% in the direction I want to be facing and going today? Because we can put so much pressure on ourselves. Like it has Mm -hmm. to be 100% different. And then we put all this pressure on like, well, I don't know how to do that. And it's going to take so much. Ah, Where do I even start? It's like, what if you just 5% client of mine recently was like, her dream was to buy a home. And she's like, Sarah, like she's a mid-level like manager at like a tech company or something. There's not a lot of upper mobility there. And she's like, I have a fixed income. I have no idea how I'm supposed to like create a down payment, but that's my dream. Like I would love to do that in 2020. I was like, are you willing to hold yourself open each week, 5% for that to happen? And she said, yes. So every week she did something that moved her forward. So one of the weeks she did like a Pinterest page of like what it would look like. Mm. The next week did like meditations and visualization about what it would look like. That just, that suited her. I wouldn't say that's for everyone. The next week she like wrote about how it would feel to be in that house, how it would feel to be looking at the sea from her patio, whatever. The next 5% was she like looked up on whatever the red fin or whatever it is, like at just listings, looking at what she liked. The next 5% was she just talked to an agent, like just to have a conversation about what's happening. Like, so every week there was just a little bit and she called me last month and she said, you're never going to believe this. My company just let us know that we can liquidate all of our stocks and cash out by the end of the month. And that means I have more than a down payment for my house by the sea. Oh, I love a happy ending to a story. <laughs> right. But I mean, I can't always help someone see how it can happen because it has to do with like, how committed are they? How open are they? She couldn't make the leap hundred percent right? From where she was to the home by the sea. And now 5% each week, if you did 1% something different each day, you'd be a different person in three and a half months, right? Right. Oh, words to live by people. 5%, do 5% if you want change. That is it. I am shutting this down. That was great. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your secret and how you got through it. It really means a lot. Yeah, thank you, Brian. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thank 
you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye.